Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Hello and welcome to our special guest to today's Living the Word episode. Our guest today is Rick Walker, who's a member of Bethlehem Lutheran Church, and uh, we're going to just dive right in. Rick, would you tell us about um, who you are? We know your name, but beyond your name, who are you? Uh, And share whatever you would like about yourself, your family, um, whatever you would want folks to know about you. Well, I'm a retired IT project and program manager, which meant I spent a lot of years being a professional nag, trying to tell other people how to get work done. But I've been <laughs> retired now for about two and a half years and living the the old saying that I no, don't know how I ever had enough time to work, as I'm saying, fairly busy, retired. Um, my wife, Beth, and I uh, live in an 1840 farmhouse and about 10 acres. So there's never a shortage of things to do here. I can imagine. We have four daughters who are all grown and are scattered like most families are these days. We have a daughter in Florida, a daughter in Texas, a daughter in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, and one that is in Rochester. Um, so, so you have the, half the United States covered at least. Yes, pretty much so. And yeah. uh, enjoy the outdoors and love this time of year. Um, um, I like doing woodworking. I have a sports car I like banging around in. So I'm another, <laughs> another old white guy with a sports car. Um, but you've nice. done a lot of rebuilding of that car, if I remember correctly. Uh, I did a lot, lot of rebuilding of that car. And then I sold it to Alan Sleeman and bought another one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> another project. So you have a car? new old sports car that you bang around in now. I have a, of a newer one uh, that came with safety equipment like airbags, which... <laughs> After hitting a deer with my 1974 MGB, I decided that uh, I was lucky and that I hit a small deer and not a large deer yeah. and uh, decided that I would uh, get that one repaired and sell it off and buy something that had a few more safety features. Good idea. Makes sense. So tell us a little bit um, about how you have found your way to Bethlehem. How did you get connected to this congregation? Well, actually, we almost didn't. Um, hmm. So... We had, uh, we had been living in Syracuse, and um, we had a very large recession in 1991 that I ended up uh, losing my job. I worked, worked in the defense industry for GE in Syracuse, and uh, that, uh, that business went away. So after uh, about 15 or 16 months of unemployment with a brand new baby, um, I found a job in Rochester, and we relocated. Um, once we got here, uh, we started looking for churches, and we had tried several different Lutheran churches and had started coming to Bethlehem and had attended uh, for, I think, five Sundays, and nobody had even spoken to us, oh, and wow. we literally had decided that this was going to be our last Sunday at Bethlehem, and we were going to go uh, find another church to try out. And it was a summer service, and we were having fellowship in uh, the courtyard area. And as we were getting ready to walk out of the place for the very last time, Ruth Gates stopped and talked to us. Hmm. So Hmm. uh, 
depending upon your perspective of my participation in the church for all these years, you can either thank Ruth or blame her. <laughs> but I will thank her. But yes. literally, uh, at that point, Bethlehem was not near as welcome in a community as it is today. Um, mm-hmm. And we, you know, nobody greeted us. Nobody reached out to us. We were just another face in the back of the church that people didn't recognize. And oh, that was okay. Um, and we almost didn't stay because of that. Wow. Wow. So really, even in a large sea of faces, it was about the personal connection. It was about being seen and uh if not known, at least somebody making an initiative to want to get to know you a little bit that helped you stick around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Rick, you talked a little bit about what you did professionally, but, um, but I think one of the things we're really curious to, to learn more about is just some of the work that you do a little bit more vocationally as connected to Bethlehem. And I am aware that you've been really involved in one of our, um, hunger ministries, and um, I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about, about that work that you have been doing um, with Beth uh, on behalf of Bethlehem. So both Beth and I have been involved with uh, ministry outside the four walls of Bethlehem for as long as we've been in, at Bethlehem with a, uh, a little bit of a uh, thrust toward global mission because we're both uh, serve on the global ministry team of the upstate New York City, Beth being the chairperson. But um one of the organizations that we became connected with through missions and social concerns is the Pines of Parenting, initially through a, um, an after-school learning opportunity for tutoring that got us engaged with that, org- with that group of people. Um, for people who aren't familiar with the Pines, it's a low-income housing development on the corner of Whitney and 250. It's got over 500 units. Um, and it's got a couple of different populations there. It has a large concentration of immigrants because refugees and immigrants, it was one of the few places they could settle. Um, there's a segment of the population that I would label as uh, generational poverty. Uh, people who live on the margins, have been doing that for multiple generations. And then just some other people that need low-income housing. Um, we started... Uh, Last year, we started looking at food insecurity through missions and social concerns. And there's a a small food pantry set up at the Pines, one of these outdoor ones where people just come and drop off food. And then if you need food, you pick it up. And we made that an opportunity for the congregation last year to adopt that food pantry for a given week for a specific type of item. Like one week, maybe you did 20 cans of soup. Uh, And really was well received. We were, you know, the people in uh, BLC really responded to that. Turns out Lutherans are really good at giving away food. Um, you know, Rick, I just, I have to, I have to just piggyback on that. Um, I had the privilege a couple of years ago to serve on a, on a sort of a strategy task force for the ELCA that was doing just a comprehensive review of the, of our churches, our denominations, hunger ministries. And as a result of that work that I was doing, um, I learned that something like 95% or more of Lutheran congregations in this country are in some way involved in feeding ministries. Uh, and I just like, I never knew that. And I was just astounded by that. Well, several years ago, uh, we missions of social concerns did a, uh, uh, a um, thrive in action 
team to do a survey of mission involvement for everybody in our conference. Yep, and I we, remember that. And we did mm-hmm. a very detailed analysis of all what every church in the conference was doing for mission. And almost virtually every one of them supported some sort of food pantry. So it doesn't surprise me the number's that high. So, yeah. But anyhow, we saw what a great response we had to supporting that food pantry. And we were trying to figure out how to extend that. And we were thinking about the fact that people who are living uh, at the lower edges of our socioeconomic ladder, uh, one of the things they don't have access to very often is fresh produce. Mm-hmm. Either they're shopping in places where it does they don't have a lot of it, or the cost of it is prohibitive for them on their limited budgets. So we paired with a CSA, a community supported agriculture in Williamsville, Williamson, called Mall Farms. And it was interesting because my wife approached Mall Farms about engaging with us to give away food at the Pines. And the couple that runs Mall Farms had been frustrated because they wanted to do something with some of the excess food they had to support a ministry of this. And their own church said, no, we're really not interested in doing that. And then we kind of showed up and it was like, great. So what we did is we purchased a number of CSAs, number of of, uh, what they call bounty baskets. And they made us the last stop on the delivery run. And basically what they would do is they would deliver the food we bought and a whole lot more. Uh, Mm. Usually we at least doubled the amount of food we had. They paired with another group that did um, fresh fruit and they were very generous with it. So we would literally fill the back of our minivan up and we would show up next to the food uh, pantry on a Wednesday night and we would hand out free produce. Um, And by the time we had been there for a month, people really understood where we were at. And uh, the first 15 or 20 minutes when we would show up were just amazing how fast that food would disappear. Yeah. Um, but more important I, in some ways than just the food was the connection. Mm-hmm. We, got to, we got to meet people and talk to them and interact with them and get to know a little bit about them and build some relationship and some trust with them. Um, and so we're, we're looking forward to doing that again this year. We've, uh, we've increased the amount of food we're going to buy this year, thanks to the generosity of uh, missions and social currents, and also uh, the congregation. When we did Thanksgiving, we did some boxes of food and the outpouring from the congregation to support that far exceeded what we needed to pay for the boxes we'd lined up. So we used that money to pay forward to buy more CSA shares this year. So we're looking forward to re-engaging probably about the end of June as we'll start up again and seeing where it takes us. Uh, and, and it was also interesting um, because I also got involved with the um, relief effort of the Pines for the people who were displaced by the fire. And we had some mm-hmm. intersection between people we knew from the food ministry and people who were displaced. And it was very nice to run into them and to have that connection um, and to see that we were able to help them in other ways. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like a real uh, Holy Spirit connection between kind of the inkling. I wonder how we could get uh, fresh produce uh, shared more readily with folks at the Pines and this CSA that's like, we have produce and we have excess and we want to, we want to figure out how to get it to people who really need it. Yeah. Yeah, Our hope this year is that some of the people of Bethlehem that plant vegetable gardens will take the time to plant some additional uh, plants and bring the excess to the Pines on Wednesday night and join us in the food giveaway, share some of their bounty and get to know these people, get to connect with them, and join us in this ministry a little bit. That's great. I mean, Rick, in your talking, I hear so much about connection. I mean, the the many layers of connection that allows this to even happen, from recognizing the need to partnering with small farms to the support of this community of faith um, with our 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 dollars um, and those who show up to make it happen each week. Um, And then of course, those who receive the bounty um, and feed their families with it and enjoy some of um, that fresh produce as well. And the connections, like you said, that are made hopefully in multiple layers um, that we, we start walking together a little bit more. Yeah. We we saw growth in that because when we first started out uh, people were questioning Oh, this is free, or mm-hmm. or why are you doing this? And right. um, especially some of the people who were immigrants were a little nervous, a little reticent about engaging with us. But as we worked through the months-long effort that we did this, and we were there every Wednesday, they started to open up to us and started to become comfortable with us. And it wasn't, it didn't feel so much like we were they're trying to be the typical white savior, but that we were part of a community that we're just trying to share, uh, which is what we're trying, what we're hoping to do is to build that connection and get people to understand that this isn't about us. Uh, this is about us wanting to uh, be in community with, with other people and sharing bounty that we have. You know, Rick, that starts another- with... We did another interview recently um, with someone else in the congregation with Ruth Sleeman, and there was such a note of accompaniment in her interview, but you're describing exactly the same thing. Um, Just that we're just accompanying, we're coming alongside people, um, and, and, and that becomes an opportunity to build relationship. And it strikes me that it starts with showing up. Yeah, I mean, it's not the kind of thing you could just sit around the table at a mission and social concerns meeting and have it end there. Um, it meant the discipline of showing up every single Wednesday, rain or shine, loading up the produce and being there uh, to start to build the trust that, hey, this is a community that's going to keep showing up um, and so that those relationships can be built. They can't be built if no one's showing up, either to receive the produce or to give it. And um Showing well, and, up is a big part of it. Well, and on this, on the side of uh, the experience for people from Bethlehem that were in this, I can tell you that in all the years that I have been in, involved with mission work with the church, the theme I have heard constantly is that when people get involved in mission, they walk away with a sense that they gained more from it than the people they were trying to help. And our hope is that people will have a chance to experience that a little bit because it really is 
I, I hate to use the word life change, the phrase life changing, because it's kind of a cliche. It's more life affirming. Hmm. Um, I like know, the that. Idea, the idea that you are, you're, you're connecting at a level that you didn't expect. And that you're, you're seeing people at a, at a level that you may not have seen them before. Yeah. And the first thing is you're seeing them. You know, um, our culture is really good at not seeing people that make us uncomfortable. And if you can step outside that box and make a deliberate effort to see people, and then once you see them, connect with them, it changes you. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, I'm struck by that phrase, life-affirming, because in that I hear that you're affirming that our lives are interconnected, that none of us, I mean, none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. Uh, we are the Lord's and we all are. Um, and those connections, we, we cannot live apart from one another. Yeah. Rick, you've been talking a lot about the ministry um, that you know, this hunger ministry that Bethlehem has been a part of that you and Beth have been really instrumental in, in starting. Um, I'm wondering just personally, is there, is there um, a specific prayer or scripture verse or hymn or something that informs or sustains you in, in your own life of faith? Well, I can't quote chapter and verse, but I will share with you that the, 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 the section of scripture that means probably means the most to me uh, is common to several gospels. And that's where we are told that our job as a Christian is to clothe the, clothe the naked, feed the hungry and visit yeah. the imprisoned. And nowhere in any of the gospel does it say that the people we help are supposed to look like us, mm. believe like us. It doesn't tell us we have to give them a sermon or convert them. It just says, do it. That if you are a Christian, if you truly believe in what our faith informs us, that part of that is you give of yourself to others without question. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing some of what's keeping you busy in your so-called retirement um, <laughs> and for the ministry that you help to lead on our behalf uh, and for the ways that you take Jesus command seriously, to love our neighbor in all those ways, in this case, feeding the hungry, but in so many other ways as well. well um, as we and wrap up I just want to add to that. Let me interrupt you really quick. And the way that you invite us to participate with you in that, yeah. uh, not doing on our behalf, but inviting us to be participants in that too. Well, yeah. the, the other, the other thing that I carry with me, uh, and I share this with you, Amy, a, a couple of occasions is a quote from the Dalai Lama that if mm -hmm. anybody who's ever gotten an email from me has seen it, because it's my signature line, and it says, be kind whenever possible, it is always possible. Yep. Yep. So, Rick, as we wrap up this conversation, uh, we have our fun five, just okay. five quick questions for you that we don't want you to think long and hard about. We just kind of want your first answer. Um, so we'll get started if you're good with that. I'm fine. All right. Number one, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. <laughs> number two, uh, what's your preferred ice cream flavor? Oh, very dull. Vanilla. Oh, that, that is, in fact, a cliche. 
Very vanilla. Very vanilla. <laughs> no, it's got to be good vanilla. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, three, other than worship, outside of worship, what is a surefire way for you to get connected to God? Oh, going for a walk uh, in the outdoors with, with my wife and with her dog, just getting out there and enjoying what nature has to offer. Yeah, lovely. Or what is one resource that you rely on that just helps you stay grounded in your faith? My wife. Hmm. Lovely. The people, the person, your person. Yeah. Five, Christmas or Easter? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, probably Christmas but not by much. <laughs> Fair enough. We recognize it's sort of an unfair question for people of faith. Yeah. Um, Rick, thank you. Thank you for sharing the conversation yeah. with us, for sharing a little bit more about the ministry um, and for inviting us to take part in it as this summer gets underway. Um, it sounds like we can check out the star for details about those weekly produce giveaways um, and and other ways that we can be hunger activists. That's what we're calling it in the Bethlehem community. Um, yeah. How can we be hunger activists in the world? And if there's any listeners out there that are involved in some hunger activism of your own that doesn't go through the Bethlehem community, we'd love to hear about that too. Share your stories, put them in the comments or drop a note to us. Um, we'd love to hear about those. Yes. Yep. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for living the word with us today. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have someone you'd like us to interview, please be sure to email us at theword at blcfairport.org. If you'd like to support Bethlehem Lutheran Church and the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit our website at www.blcfairport.org.